0: You're listening to The Man Project Podcast with your host, Ted Rice. Would you like to be bigger, leaner, and stronger? Do you want to develop the confidence to go after what you want in life? Or how about becoming the man that women want to be with? We're here twice a week to empower you to reach your full potential so you can live life on your own terms. Subscribe to our podcast or download our free app in the iTunes Store or Google Play. Find it all at manprojectpodcast.com. Now, back to the show.
1: My guest today is Anthony Dream Johnson. Anthony is the CEO and founder of the 21 Convention. And if you haven't heard of the 21 Convention, it's an epic conference for men that brings together the top experts in health, fitness, dating, relationships business, entrepreneurship, psychology, philosophy, how to get your life together, how to be more masculine, all these things all in one place. It's simply amazing. And I was introduced to Anthony through a mutual friend of ours, Steve Maeda, who has been on The Man Project. And when I heard that Steve was the MC for this conference, the 21 convention, I looked at, I was like, this is amazing. And Then I talked to Anthony and found that he started his business when he was 17, an age that most of us were just running around partying. And I don't know about you, but I was certainly not thinking about building a business at that age. So he's gonna share with us why he did it, how he did it. He's gonna share top lessons from being around all these experts for so many years. He's gonna share some health tips, some things that changed his life. It's going to be amazing. So without further ado, let's get to the interview. Anthony Dream Johnson, welcome to The Man Project.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You and I met through a mutual friend of ours, Steve Maeda. And once I found out about you, and what you were doing, I knew I had to have you on The Man Project and just to find out more about you and the 21 convention. But before we get to that, Anthony, you have a great quote for us. Can you please share it?
2: Yeah, sure. So just a little while ago, you asked me about a favorite quote of mine from someone that, either my own quote or from someone I like. And my quote was from a novelist and philosopher named Ayn Rand. And she has a lot of quotes you can pull from. But one of my favorites is, find the hero in your own soul and yeah that's the quote i heard it from a couple years ago and i really liked it the minute i heard it and i felt that it spoke to who i am and the kind of company i like to run
1: yeah i like that a lot i have not heard that but it's very joseph campbell-esque cool so let's get into you, your company. You started the 21 convention when you were 17, at an age that most of us guys were partying, playing video games, chasing girls. What drove you to do something that big and that amazing at such a young age?
2: Well, it's funny the way you describe young people, because my life is actually still, even what drove me to build the convention was, in fact, personal problems with approaching women and communicating with women. So really, actually, what you mentioned there, just chasing women, as some people call it, is part of what drove me. I had a real hang-up in my life with talking to women, any kind of social skills, really. It wasn't just talking to women. It was any kind of social setting or social interaction. But whole life of 17 long years would be due. But for me, it was a big deal. And yeah, it was the personal pain and the personal obstacles I had to go overcome with women that drove me to build the convention. And specifically, I wanted to find a lot of guys my age that were really good with women that I could learn from. Because at 17, in the dating advice community, I had a really tough time relating to people who were older than me. Even people like Steve Maeda, who I found out about probably like a year later at that point, he was a lot older than I was at the time. He was in his 30s, I think, like 30, 31. And you know, I was 17, 18 years old. I was like, man, this guy knows what he's talking about, but he's so much older than me. I want to find people my age. And that actually led to an under 21 meetup, which quickly became the under 21 convention, which then one day became the 21 convention. So long story short, it was a very personal drive just to meet guys my age and anybody who could teach me about meeting women.
1: I like it. And thanks for sharing that story. It's so interesting that so many people that have these problems in our life, that's the thing that drives them to do something big to not only overcome their problems, but to do something really big that affects other people's lives in a positive way. It's so very yeah. cool. Yeah. Now I get the name, the 21 convention definitely yeah. had to drop the under, right?
2: Oh man. The funny story to that is when I was transitioning to the 21 convention, I didn't know what to call it. So, I almost called it the under and over 21 convention, which is probably the worst name you could imagine for a company.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: But then I think, thanks to, I don't know who it was, Seth Godin or Tim Ferriss or somebody, one of them just inspired me to just drop the under part. And I was like, oh man, that's so cool. It looks so clean.
1: Yeah. So. And that's something very cool that you bring up because you were actually featured in the book, The Four Hour Work Week.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Can, the, can you uh, talk updated, about that? Yeah, sure. So at one point on Tim's blog, I just left a comment, uh, I think, where I was just thanking him for writing the book and how much it affected me. And I remember writing the comment years ago. And then a year or so after that, he released a revised and expanded edition of the Four Hour Work Week, like the orange copy instead of the white one in North America. And I got an email from somebody saying that, "Dude, you're in the Four Hour Work Week, the like the new version." I was like, "No way!" So I went to Barnes and Noble. Back in the day, we used to have these bookstores we went to to buy books and stuff. And yeah, I just went and looked at the book, and I just kept skimming through it. I was like, there's no way. There's no way. And I was like, oh, there it is. I have my own page. It's just me like the top third or something. Yeah, Tim never asked me about it or anything. I think he has you know, terms of service on his blog where you leave a comment. He just takes the comment. He has the ability to publish it or whatever. And he just took it, and he liked it, and he used it.
1: So. Wow, very cool. Yep. You know, something I want to hear about from you is you shared how you started the 21 Convention and how it was a personal issue with talking to women, which Anthony, I can personally relate to, and Mm -hmm. I know for a fact that many of the listeners can, because I've talked to many of them. Yeah. But what I'm curious to hear from you now, as you've grown, because the 21 Convention has been around since 2007, Mm -hmm. what are some of the issues that you see men facing today?
2: Specifically with like relating to women and communicating with women, or... I'm talking about
1: like all across the board. It seems like women are really doing their thing, but guys, many guys, not a lot. I mean, obviously you're doing your thing and you're doing really well. And there's many other guys like yourself and me. I'm having a great time, man. But what are some common problems that you've seen? Because I'm sure you get your speakers to fill a need, right?
2: Yeah. Well, for the attendees and the viewers and the fans, I guess the speakers are fulfilling a need, but... For me, it's actually never about that. For me, I just want to build a convention where I pull in these amazing speakers that have ideas that correspond to reality. That's actually pretty much the totality of my vision for it. I just want to find speakers who are right, who have things, who are, even though I don't agree with all of them all the time, we usually have disagreements with every speaker, me personally, a few. I agree with the majority of what they're saying, and because of that, I invite them to the convention to share their ideas and then I publish them and let the viewers decide what they want to pull from it and what they don't. So that's actually the very specific vision is I'm not really fulfilling. There are definitely needs people have that the speakers are fulfilling with ideas and with knowledge and advice. But for me, it's just a really clear vision of finding the right speakers with the right ideas. And like that's it. actually, yeah, it's very, very pure, very specific.
1: So what I hear you saying is you're like, okay, who has something that applies in the real world, not yep. something to crazy in academia or someone who's kind of selling some hype that sounds great but doesn't really work out who has the best ideas about all areas of a man's life that we can get and share with everybody
2: well it can be academic we do have some speakers who are like literally academics But for me, it's just what I really think is right. It's a very brutal thing. i got to judge these speakers and determine that they have something right to share and I think is completely right, at least some specific parts of it. But, yeah, it's about finding what's right and what corresponds to real life, whether that's really abstract, something that the viewers have to think about really deeply, or if it's even just simple advice. It's just like, hey, man, you know, you're messing up in this part of your life and you need to do this. It's not that complicated and you need to just go and do it. So, yeah, there is, I guess, maybe what you're getting at, there is like a pretty big variance between the speakers sometimes. Sometimes it's just a very simple dating advice that will improve your life in a very specific way. And then sometimes the speeches and the speakers are philosophical. They're literally philosophers. So there's actually a huge range of topics at the event and ideas like that.
1: Yeah, and personally, Anthony, I've watched many of the YouTube videos. And by the way, if you're interested in checking out some of the 21 convention YouTube videos or some of the talks that are on the convention, they're all on the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash 21. So really easy to remember, youtube.com slash 21 There's great talks on everything from fitness to dating to mindset to philosophy, just everything that Anthony has mentioned already and a lot of things that would take a long time to go into. Anthony, you know, you have something on your personal blog that says the purpose of my work is the actualization of the ideal man. Mm -hmm. I reject the notion that the ideal man is a literary invention or impossible fantasy. Mm -hmm. I fully accept the premise that man's essential nature is that of a heroic being, should he choose so. Can Mm -hmm. you explain that?
2: Absolutely. So a lot of that is actually inspired by the work of Ayn Rand. Her work with her novels and her philosophy, in huge part, was the depiction of the ideal man. She wanted to basically visualize what man could be and what he ought to be and what he can be in real life. Not just in a book, even though that's how she chose to communicate it in a lot of ways. But in real life, she wanted to envision that. So she died, though, in the 1980s, I think 1981, 1982. So a huge part of my work is I want to, in a way, finish what she started. So she spent her life depicting the ideal man and envisioning what he could be and what he ought to be. And what I like to do with the 21 convention in terms of interacting with the attendees and even with myself is I want to make that real, that vision, to the extent that I agree with it, which is a huge extent with her vision of the ideal man. So that's what that means is I want to actualize this for, in my opinion, in my estimation is to make real, is to actualize it into real, actual life. So through the convention and through the speakers and through the speeches, I want to find ideas that are right, that people can leverage in their own life and bring out the highest vision of their own life to bring out their own ideal man and to make that person real. So when I say to, I should clarify, when I say my work is to actualize the ideal man. When I say the, I mean it in a very personal sense for myself, as well as for anyone else who's willing to come along for that journey. And then each person has to really decide they have to make that choice to not only be that ideal man, but to even pick out what that's going to look like in their own life. Because each person is different and each person has their own path in their own life to take.
1: Yeah, well said. And definitely we all have to decide how the finished product of ourselves or what journey we're going to go on to become that self-actualized version of what we think we ought to be as a man.
2: I almost forgot part of the quote that you just gave from my blog. And that's the heroic being part. And I think it's very funny. It's amusing to me that as far as I know, to the extent of my knowledge, human beings are the most heroic being to have ever existed, but everyone forgets this. We just think of ourselves kind of like animals sometimes, but really we're the only rational being to have ever existed to the extent of our knowledge. And I think it's important to remember this, that human beings are incredibly heroic, and there are thousands and millions of instances in throughout history of people doing this. Yeah, I think it's very important for people to remember that, of what you really are, is you're a human being. And a human being is, I think, at least every person has the potential to be the hero of their own life, and to be a hero in a really true sense of the word. Not just like in some novel or some fantasy or some literary invention, but in real life, to be a hero for themselves, and the people around them too.
1: Yeah, I love that. And thanks for adding some depth around that and explaining it further because it's so, so important that we take charge of our lives and also recognize, Mm -hmm. like you said, which was very well stated, man, that there's no other heroic animals. I mean, I guess you'll see something every once in a while, like maybe an animal saves another animal, but nothing like what humans do. And in this age of, Negativity, where we're just bombarded by some studies say up to 17 negative messages to one positive, it's very easy to forget that human beings have the potential to be amazing. We just, like you said, Anthony, need to choose to do so.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You and got... Yeah, you're right. Animals sometimes they do cool stuff, but it's a whole different category. I mean, being a human being is totally different from being just a standard run-of-the-mill animal that isn't really isn't able to think like we are.
1: Yeah, so. absolutely. Anthony, one thing that I really resonate with in your overall message and your philosophy, your personal philosophy, as well as the one that you run the 21 convention by, is to take responsibility and to be that hero. A lot of guys don't choose that, right? We have the men's rights activists, who I don't really honestly know that much about. I've just read a few things, but they seem to really be blaming women for all the problems. There's just so much blame going on. How do you deal with the feminism, the men's rights activists? Where do you stand on all that?
2: Well, generally with men's rights activists, I don't have a whole lot directly to do with them. Honestly, for the extent of anything I do have to do with them, though, I think they should be looking at what I do with the 21 Convention and there's been a little bit of blocking from the men's rights community on that. One time, there was a major like online magazine that did a piece on me and on the convention, and it was received really negatively, which I was just stunned by on the spearhead by Bill Price, I think was his name. And the author you know, loved the convention. I talked to him on the phone for a couple hours and really got into it. But the whole men's right community hated it. They were really up in arms and just despised what I was doing. I was just like, this is so stupid. This is so dumb. This is exactly what most of these guys need. (laughs) Forget the dating device. I have no idea what their dating life was like each person. But what I'm doing to actualize the idea of man is the ultimate thing you can be doing to advance. It's a very specific thing I'm doing. I'm not like saving the world just yet. But in my opinion, in a very specific way, it's advancing civilization and it's making people who join me the best that they can be. And that is crucial as mankind moves forward and people Pursue their own life. They build families. They build businesses, and they pursue their dreams. So yeah, to the extent that they got pissed off at what I do, I was just like, God, that's ridiculous. That's so absurd. Yeah, with feminism, I'm generally deeply opposed to third wave feminism and you know fourth wave, depending on how anyone look at it. Or I call it actually neo feminism. So the feminism that your grandmothers and your mothers didn't really have anything to do with. Right. It's very modern, and it's not about equality anymore. It's about superiority. And it's about putting men down and about attacking masculinity and male sexuality and a lot of very horrible things. And our speakers, almost unanimously, there's a few outliers, but almost unanimously are of generally the same persuasion, whether it's our keynote speaker, Socrates, author at Manning Up Smart, or Steve Maeda, Through the Sexual Life, or a whole bunch of other speakers. Pretty much we're all in the same camp with a little bit difference of opinion here and there. But yeah, we're pretty opposed to modern feminism, neo-feminism. At the same time, though, I'm super supportive of individual rights. And that to me is to what any modern feminist who really wanted to fight for some level of equality that didn't yet exist for women, they should be pursuing individual rights. And I don't think feminists do that at all. They're very opposed to individual rights usually, and they do a lot of damage to them.
1: Yeah, well, I don't have anything to add on that. I'm with you 100%. But I wanted to ask you because I get emails from guys For example, there was a pickup artist thing with Julian Blanc from the RSD. And, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't think his jokes were that funny personally. I've got friends who make pretty bad jokes, but, and we make them back and forth. We just know when to say them and to who to say them, you know, and that's between us. But a lot of women came down hard on the guy, tried to shut him down. I don't know what eventually happened, but the point I'm getting at is a lot of guys got mad because they felt like, oh, here's women trying to take away another thing from us. Like, I don't know how to talk to women. I don't know how to have good relationships with women. I need this information. I don't even do the bad stuff that you're criticizing these guys for. And they got really upset. Do you have anything to say to guys about how to live their life away from the feminism, away from blame, away from having to join like an MRA group or something like that. Do you have any advice for those guys?
2: Yeah, I would say watch all my videos and uh, (laughs) enjoy them on YouTube. I would say that, yeah, I wouldn't worry about Julian Blanc too much. As far as I know, he's made a couple million dollars off of all the publicity that he got. So I don't have any confirmation of this, but that's what I've heard from people I know that know him. And yes, I don't think that he's in a bad spot. And I think that there are so many other dating coaches and relationship coaches And there's so much advice out there that it really doesn't matter what happens with his videos and his work and stuff. I'm a little bit concerned for the larger community of dating coaches. I think the attack on Julian specifically did a really horrible job of portraying what dating coaches do. And that's kind of hurt the industry now, which is already viewed really sketchily and really shadily. Those are even words, I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, well, I know exactly what you mean. There's definitely a stigma to dating coaches whether they use the term pickup artist or not.
2: You know, um, one of our speakers recently at the convention, he said in private to me, he's like, you know, sometimes I'd rather be known as a Coke dealer than a dating coach. Wow. This was a couple of days before Julian, the Julian Blanc stuff, but he's like, being a dating coach gets you so much stigma, it's so much like scorn, it's unreal. And he's right, most of the time, it's really tough to be taken seriously as a dating coach, especially for men. With women, there's not as many of them, and for some reason they're taken a little bit more seriously. But yeah, it's just tough. It might be because of feminism stuff, the attack on male sexuality. Men going out and pursuing a better ability to meet, communicate, date, and have sex with women is not viewed positively right now. (laughs) Nor is it going to be anytime soon, I think, unless my videos take off into the billions or something.
1: Yeah, and by the way, you definitely should go and check out Anthony's 21 Convention. I know we keep plugging Anthony, but...
2: Plugging is so hard. I don't usually do this, but like, watch my videos. Watch them right now.
1: By the way, if you watch my videos, but they are fantastic and they're free. And it's just another great source of information. And man, I love... I haven't watched all of them because there's so many, but I it's love... It's like a
2: thousand. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly. That's going to take a little bit of time, but you should. When you're at home working out, doing something where you don't have to, you know, washing the dishes, whatever you're doing, cleaning the house, put on one of those 21 convention talk lectures and just soak it in because there's so many great speakers. And Anthony, you also did a great job with the quality of the audio as well and however you put it up on YouTube. So... Thanks. Yeah, absolutely, man, because I have a podcast. Quality is important. So when I see that in someone else, I respect it. Anthony, I've got a little bit more of a philosophical question. How do you see masculinity and how should men attain it or should they even work to become more masculine?
2: Hmm. Actually, this isn't a question as we think about a lot, not in these terms anyway. Can you be any more specific in what you're looking for?
1: Yeah, What I'm trying to figure out Well, we can look at anthropology for what men did. And Jack Donovan has a great book called Way of Men, which looks into it and it's pretty brief and not so academic. But I'm curious, like, how do you see modern masculinity? What should men be aspiring to?
2: Well, part of the way, like I mentioned earlier a little bit, as I see it as under attack, you can even look back to videos like I know George Carlin years ago when I was a kid did a whole... The feminization of America, and he'd like a whole comedic rant about it. But it's definitely something that I think is very directly under attack today, and it's been under attack for a long time. It's not recent, to a couple of years or something. But as far as what to pursue in the positive, I would say, well, one of the things that comes to mind most immediately is pursuing a straight path in life, even if there's all kinds of bumps that you go, you run into along the way. You pursue your vision, whatever that vision is, over time, and you pursue it vigorously and relentlessly, and you persevere through through difficult times that are inevitable. How you deal with them is not inevitable. You can always choose as you meet these things in life. But definitely getting on a path and then sticking to it, even if you have to change course as you're going, even if you have to pivot, even if you have to pause and reflect, you get on that path and you stay on it and you stick to it and you stick to your guns over time. You maintain your integrity, I would say, is a really excellent way to practice being a man. Because you don't give in and you don't compromise, you don't sacrifice greater values for lesser ones. Beyond that, I would say a lot of reflection over time and introspection. So looking inwards and trying to understand your emotions and your deeper feelings for your life and what you want to do with it, which I think is something that people don't usually associate with masculinity, but I think it is actually very masculine. To be emotional and be okay with being emotional when the time is necessary, or when it's called for when it's appropriate. And usually people see that it's not masculine, they see that it's feminine, but I don't think that's the case. I think it's very manly to be okay with your emotions and to embrace them and to understand them and to think about them and then feel them and to experience them, not even just think about them. Does that answer your question a little bit? Yeah,
1: well stated, well stated. And uh, completely agree with you, man. I mean, I've been through some tragedies in my life and it's like, okay, so I'm not supposed to cry. What's kind of interesting, Anthony, is I was never brought up in a household where that was one of the rules, like real men don't cry. Like it was never a thing. So sometimes I have trouble empathizing with guys who have been in that situation.
2: I had a little bit of it growing up, but I did get it from elsewhere through, I think, school and through friends and through like entertainment and stuff. So I got it a little bit at home, but then from elsewhere as well. So I have a pretty modern amount of it in my life or my history anyway. Yeah. And yeah, like you, man, I've been through some tragedies. I've been through some business mistakes that were really hard to go through. And then a bigger one, too. My best friend died back about a week after the second convention, the 21 convention back in 2008. That was a really big deal for me. He was like a big brother to me and he died. That was a really tough time. That was a growing time. I always feel when I went from being a child to being a full-grown adult was uh, right after he died and the couple months that followed and the emotions that came with it. And that's when I learned how to confront them and how to deal with them and how to feel them and embrace them.
1: yeah. You know, it's interesting, Anthony. Well, first of all, thanks for sharing that story. I always appreciate it when people are real and vulnerable and share things that show that side. But it's interesting that people who have been through really tough times seem to have to be able to grow up. There's not really a choice. Either you crumble or you persevere and you overcome.
2: I see it as a choice, but the choices aren't equal. It's like right. life or death. That goes to your choices. Which one are you going to choose?
1: Yeah. It also makes me wonder for guys who don't have a situation like what you've been through where losing your big brother, even though he wasn't blood, he was, you know, it's that loyalty between friends, that closeness that we find with people who aren't related to us. But how can a guy who doesn't have that type of situation... Yeah. You said it helped you grow up. How would a guy who hasn't been through something like that, what would you say to him to get him to maybe not even have to go through something like that, to kind of man up in his life? Yeah.
2: Well, actually, Steve Madden and I got into a small argument about this years ago. I don't even know if you would remember it. It was like two and a half years ago in Australia. We were at the Australia Tony Mike Convention, and yeah, I don't think negative experiences are absolutely necessary for growing in life, but they're very common. And think it's almost inevitable that you encounter one that's pretty severe throughout your life at some point. But before you do, you shouldn't be like gunning for one. So what I would say, I guess, is just to pursue your visions in your life, or not your visions, like you're just dreaming up shit, but anything that you dream that then you think can actually take place in real life to pursue that and to pursue it very hard and then see what happens. Even if you don't have a really negative experience, I think if you're really sincere about What that dream can be and what that vision can be, that you'll encounter something that will make you grow, even if it's not inherently negative or has a lot of terrible consequences for you. Uh, And so, for example, that can be a lot of different things. That can be building a business that is successful and doesn't have a lot of huge hiccups along the way. It has just some that you're able to deal with and respond to very well. Or it can be romantic relationships. It can be dating. It could be a long-term relationship. These things inevitably have conflicts in them that even if they're resolved very well are gonna make you grow. And those are just two areas. Uh, If you pursue something else and like, for second example, in your health, that could be another avenue to doing this. Whether that's losing a lot of fat or whether that's building a lot of muscle, it's choosing something that's gonna challenge you. So even if the outcome is purely positive, it's something that challenges the best within you. And that will make you grow in a positive sense over time.
1: Yeah, love it. And speaking of health and fitness, how does that fit into your life? Because you said initially it was the dating thing that had you, yeah. that really drove you to become successful and to do everything that you've done. How does the health and fitness thing work into your life as a man, as an entrepreneur?
2: Yeah. Well, for me, it's all kind of the same. You say as a man, and an entrepreneur. But for me, I want to actualize the ideal man. And I say, even the 21 mention, starting with myself. So I want to walk my own talk and I want to walk the talk on my speakers. And that to me specifically includes actualizing the highest vision of my body, of my genetic potential. So that's where that comes in to to being the ideal man. I think anyway, people think that it's like a purely philosophical thing, but it's not just philosophical. It's also, well, I wouldn't pit the philosophical into practical, but it's the philosophical and the physical as well. So that definitely includes your body. That definitely includes your health. That definitely includes being lean if you want, and that definitely includes building muscle mass over time to the extent that you can do so naturally and within health. So that's where that fits in. I think it's very important to being a man and being a human being is to actualize the highest level of health you can and fitness. And so to the 21 convention, that was a very natural fit after the dating stuff was to bring in health and fitness and exercise nutrition and lifestyle and sleep and all these different things. And then through the convention, Well, I say through the convention, I want to practice it myself, but really, it was in my own life I was practicing that, and then I naturally kind of weaved it into the convention over time. Nice. Does does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, do you have any specific morning rituals or anything that you use to prime yourself for your day, just to get your mindset right, so you're going to conquer whatever it is you have on your agenda?
2: Yeah. I can't say I'm the super duper expert with this, but I do a few things. One is I take a long shower that's both usually hot and then at the end, cold. So, I usually at the end turn it to maximum cold, which in Florida, you know, isn't always that cold. But right now, it's not bad.
0: <laughs> yeah. But
2: right now, it's it's pretty cool right now, the water. So, I rinse off most of my body in like really cold water. And it's really fun if I travel, because then if I travel somewhere where the water's cold, and the water's really cold. You know, it's like 45, 50 degrees or something, which is awesome. And then I like going for a walk. I walk it's short, 10, 15, 20 minutes sometimes. Again, I'm in Florida like you, so I have a nice sunlight most of the time. That gets me moving a little bit. That gets me some nice sunlight, some vitamin D, some cholesterol production, and the fresh air too in the morning, which I can't speak to too well scientifically, but there's actually a lot too fresh air in the morning, and that later in the day, uh, it's not quite the same. So yeah, it's a long shower that's both hot and then cold, and then nice long walk. Well, I don't know if that's long for most people. To me, it is 20 minutes if I do that. And then I like to drink uh, high quality coffee, either from Dave Asprey Bulletproof Coffee or other coffees that are pretty similar. I'm drinking Intelligista lately, which is pretty good.
1: Intelligista, okay.
2: Yeah, it's, it's pretty good quality stuff. And I actually spend a lot of time grinding it too. I hand grind it in a burr grinder, which is a ceramic grinder, and that improves the taste quite a bit. And then I put it through an AeroPress, which I got from Tim Ferriss, which is a really inexpensive press and it's kind of like a French press. And the coffee just comes out fucking awesome between those three things, that kind of gets me going in the day and gets me woken up. Hopefully it lights a fire into my ass. It does most of the time. It's not like some magic bolt that I can just do these things and that works out. But that's generally the gist of it is hot, cold shower, go for a walk, coffee.
1: I like it. It's simple. And one of the reasons why I asked that question, Anthony, is because that's a specific question that several of the listeners asked. And even though you said you're not an expert at morning rituals, sometimes, man, I've had someone on the show who I love, a buddy of mine, but he was suggesting we all go to Springs to get our water, which I'm sure there's some guys who are definitely going to do that. But even me, man, I care about my health a lot. It's definitely the foundation to my pyramid, right? But I'm not going to go do that, man. (laughs) You know, I don't have that type of time to drive out to the spring and get my glass bottles filled with this water because you can't use plastic. I drink bottled water. So anyway, so thanks for answering that. And Anthony, let's get into, did you have a follow up?
2: Oh, uh, I was going to say, you know, one thing that reminds me of what you're saying with the spring. Not long ago, a couple of years ago, I did have a pool access to a pool for a while. And so especially in the winter when it was cold in Florida, you know, cold, like 60 degrees or whatever.
1: People hate oh, actually, you right now, by yeah. the way, for saying that.
2: <laughs> I'm sure. I'm
1: oh, sure. my God. It was freezing <laughs> hey, 60 degrees. Hey, you're in degrees. Miami,
2: man. It's even warmer where you are.
1: Oh, yeah. I love it.
2: But no, I mean, sometimes it'd really be cold. It'd be, you know, 35, 40 degrees out. And I would actually go in the pool. I'd go swimming for like 10 minutes. I would just fucking jump in. That's kind of how I live parts of my life. But I actually do it with swimming, too. As so if I'm at a beach where the water's cold or a river or something, or even if I've access to a pool, it's cold, I go in and I swim. But that's really specific. I don't have a pool at my house where I live now. But if I did, I'd probably do that. And if anyone does, I'd say, fucking do it, man. Be careful with hypothermia and stuff. I ever did it one time. (laughs) And I was shivering for like a half hour, which I think is a pretty bad sign.
1: Wow, I've never, that's crazy, man. So the water was just freezing and for half an hour you were still shivering.
2: Well, it's because I went swimming. I didn't just go for my usual 10 minutes. I was like, oh, I'll just double it to 20 minutes. I'll just swim around in this freezing cold water for like 20 minutes. And yeah, I was moving the whole time. But yeah, even after taking a shower, I was shivering, not too violently, but pretty substantially for quite a while. I was like, Fuck, this is not a good sign. Don't do this again.
1: Yeah, that fine line between building mental toughness and, yeah, causing st- yeah. grievous bodily harm. So, cool. Yeah,
2: don't overdo it.
1: Don't overdo it. So, Anthony, let's talk about the 21 convention. It's been in a number of different cities over the past years since you started in 2007. Yeah. This year, where are you going to have it? Who are the speakers going to be? What can we expect?
2: Uh, actually, that information for right now is secret.
1: Hmm. Okay. Uh,
2: I'll tell you that. Well, I can give you some specifics. But yeah, I'm actually... So over time, I've gotten more secretive with the convention, whereas I used to be really open with all the dates and stuff like that. So at this time, we're not ready to put out the exact dates, location, speakers yet, but in a few months we will. For now, I can tell you that it will be in Florida again, and very likely it'll just be the one event in Florida. People do like when we do events closer where they live, like Europe and Australia, which we've done quite a few times before. But this year, it's probably not going to happen. That'll be 2016 that we bring the events back to both America and Europe and Australia at the same time in the same year, which we did in 2012, which was awesome. But it was really fucking hard, man. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but after 2012, the last event we had, I had Steve come out to Australia and we did the Australian convention. That was our third event that year after one in Europe and Texas. And in 2013, I was so tired from the events, I took the whole year off from doing any events.
1: Oh, wow, okay.
2: Yeah, that was like, I don't know how many years that was. It was like six years of doing in 10 events. And I was just burnt. I was like, this isn't even a short-term thing. This is like, I need a year off. So I did that. And that's what I'm trying to prevent again. So I'm kind of slowly getting back into doing really, well, I'm redefining the events and I'm improving the quality. And then in 2016, I'll be most likely expanded out back to two events or even three events again. And that'll be uh, where they're held is again, Europe, Australia, and the United States. But this year it'll be in Florida. Awesome. And we'll have, yeah, we might even have, can't guarantee it yet, but we might have a four-day event instead of a three-day event, which we used to do a long time ago, which would be epic. Uh, we'd keep the ticket price the same, but we'd have an extra day to the event and it would allow us to have even more speakers and make the event even more insanely awesome for the same price. So I'm looking at that right now. It's difficult to make the call on that because it bumps the expense of the event like way up. And I already put a lot of money into the events, the filming and stuff. Yeah. So we'll see. It's on the table. It's on the table right now. That's cool. And uh, I'll tell you too, that it'll be later this year. So it'll be quarter four, 2015. So it'll be end of the year. It'll be in Florida.
1: Excellent. And I just want to, Make sure that the guys, so if you're listening right now, if you have an interest in all these different areas, the 21 convention is something you need to be at. The only reason why I didn't go last year, Anthony, because it was right up the street for me, is because I found out that it existed like the week before. I was like, I was looking at this because I saw something oh, like that yeah. Steve put up about it because he's recently, we've gotten closer, although we haven't met in person. But yeah. I was like, what is this? I was like, how the fuck have I never heard about this? Cause it's been around for 2007. I mean, that was definitely, I started my personal development journey, my journey into diving deeper into manhood and that type of thing a few years before. So this would have been perfect. But, and one thing I really like about what you do is you cover all the bases. And so guys, if you like my show, and how I cover all the bases. I have all different types of people on here. Anthony does that, but in an event. And he's been doing it for years. So this is something you really need to invest in yourself and go to. The dates aren't set yet. Maybe, Anthony, you and I, we can do another interview right before or right when you're ready to release that information. And oh yeah, we can plug it so the guys get pumped up and they know where it is and what to expect, who's gonna speak at it, but we're talking about a holistic approach to improving your life, and I can only imagine the type of guys who go to that event. They must be go-getters, people who...
2: Oh yeah, yeah, that's actually, it's it's a huge thing is the networking at the event. I don't even advertise that that much, but the attendees get to meet, and almost every single one of them is either has a really awesome career or is building a business, and they're all doing this amazing stuff. Some often even outshining what I'm doing with the convention. So it's a really cool event to go to, even for that. Never mind all the speeches and stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Sorry to interrupt you. I don't know if you were in the middle of a sentence there.
1: But... No, more like in the middle of a rant of some sort, which <laughs> oh, happens occasionally. Selling
2: my event. Hey, I'm all for it, man.
1: Yeah. That's... You want me to give you the place where you can send the check to you now? Or <laughs> yeah. There you go, man. There PayPal. You go. You the... No, the listeners know I only plug people. I mean, of course, I plug everybody who comes on the show, but I really believe in what you're doing. I've watched the videos. I know Steve. He's the MC. I've watched his talks too. I thought they were amazing. Yeah. So they know I only plug things that I really believe in. And I want to hear what have been some of your top lessons you've taken away from being around all those experts at the top of their game in so many different areas. Like, what have you taken away personally from it?
2: Oh, man, a lot. I like to say that I'm the biggest fan of the convention, next to Steve, maybe. Half joking there. He's spoken a lot, actually. But I like to say that. And you might get this too as a Miami reference that not only am my own biggest fan, but I like getting high off my own stash, meaning <laughs> my own videos. Little Scarface for you. Yeah. Because yeah, they're really amazing. I believe in them, and I follow their advice. I don't always agree with them. In fact, it's rare that I agree with any of the speakers completely. But I always, obviously, I'm inviting them because I believe in some huge majority of their ideas. And yeah, it's radically improved my life. One of the easiest ones to look at would be Dr. Doug McGuff, who's an emergency room doctor. He's spoken at the convention three times now, 2010, 2012, and 2014. And his book, Body by Science, which I read in early 2009, sitting in a Barnes & Noble, I read almost the entire book, everything but the last chapter, and just sitting in the aisle of Barnes & Noble, just reading it off the shelf. That book changed my life, because at that point, I've been working out seven days a week, once or twice a day for like two years, two and a half years. And even at a young age, my body was really wearing down from that. It was way too much volume. And his book convinced me in one sitting to stop that dead stop and completely redo or undo my thinking about fitness and what I thought about exercise. And so overnight, I stopped after years of working out every day. I stopped working out every day. And I started working out once, twice a week. And in that period of time, in like the six months following, I put on like six and a half pounds of muscle and I got leaner in the process. And that was a huge change for me. Not just the physical change was cool. You know, I was very young. I was like 20 at the time, maybe. Yeah, I was 20. But uh, the time-saving effect of it, I had been investing so much time and so much energy and so much mental angst and anxiety about working out that the minute I stopped, it was like a huge like boost to my whole life. Because all this time and energy was just being poured into working out, that this wasn't really doing anything. I thought it was, but in the reality, it wasn't. It was just a huge time sink, other than the life lessons I learned of Putting so much time into it like that, not getting anything out of it. So that was probably one of the most profound things I've gotten from the speakers, and that's the main reason I invited him to speak at the convention for the first time was his book Body by Science and what it had done for my life. If you ever watch the speech too, I actually opened up the speech introducing him, and I even mentioned just how much his book changed my life. And I have him; I even asked him to sign my book on camera, which I thought was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, I'm still got it. I'm still looking at it right now. Body by Science, same one.
1: Yeah. And if you're having trouble with your workouts, definitely follow up and check out that book. Or even better, watch the 21 Convention interview with Doug McGuff and listen to his words. And if it's completely changed your life, Anthony, with regards to exercise, then you need to check it out, especially if you're not having great results from exercise. Go check out that 21 convention lecture there. Yeah, no, that's great. You know, that's the second time that book has been plugged on the show. Uh, oh, so, cool. yeah. It's,
2: plugged it? I'm curious. His
1: name is Mike Lipowski because Doug's a high intensity training guy. Is that correct?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And my buddy Mike was on the show and he mentioned that book as well. Yeah, great great stuff. I'm actually really excited. I love learning about this. Obviously, you know, I've been a personal trainer for 15 years, so I have not read that book. So how about top lessons from dating and relationships?
2: I was actually just going to get into that. Yeah, there's a few there. So one of them was Brent Smith, who was a recent speaker. I just put out actually one of his videos yesterday for the first time from the Tampa convention that we had recently. Brent is a very legendary dating coach because he's really old school Right. I remember watching his videos right when I was building the convention, so 2006. He was a uh, big then as he is now. And his idea is actually in 2011, I got back into them after not paying much attention to them for a couple of years just because I had been focusing on 57 other dating coaches in the meantime, you know working with them one-on-one throughout the world at the conventions and stuff. But a close friend and a personal trainer, incidentally, he got me back into Brent's stuff. And this was a game changer for me because Brent's ideas are very specific. They're very specific about not chasing, which for me was kind of like the last straw of what I was really doing wrong that I should not have been doing. I was getting in my own way. And women that I liked, I would pursue too hard, way too hard, and it would push them away. And I realized that the minute that I understood and incorporated fully Brent's ideas into how I interacted with women and approached women, it changed everything fast. I always like to say that There's no such thing as a magic bullet, but the closest thing in dating would be Brent Smith's ideas of not chasing. Especially if you have everything else kind of lined up, you understand how to have a conversation, you're not creepy to women, you can communicate some basic intent and intention of what you want to do. But there's still something wrong. This to me was just huge. It was magical, almost. I would say. I'm not a believer in magic, but the results were pretty damn close. And this actually then led to meeting my wife and dating my wife, who I thought, even from the moment we met, was just absolutely fucking gorgeous. And I realized right away, I was like, shit, if I don't follow exactly Brent's ideas, I will screw this up. I know how attractive she is to me, and I know how I would usually respond to this kind of woman. And the chances of it going anywhere are not that good if I don't back off and let her chase me. And I did. And we ended up dating and then getting married eventually. So that was pretty big with Brent's stuff. That's why I really wanted him to speak this year. I actually invited him back in 2012, and we spoke real briefly, but it didn't work out. And then I didn't do an event the next year. And then this year, I got in contact with him again, and I really hounded on him. I was like, man, you have to come. You have to come speak. He was happy to speak. I mean, he loved what we do. Sure. Uh, It's very in line with what he does. But yeah, I really believe in his stuff, and it's worked so, so well for me. Another guy too was our keynote speaker from the Tampa convention this year named Socrates. He runs a blog at manningupsmart.com. Really awesome blog on relationship skills. Actually the headline of his site is Fundamental Relationship Skills for Men. I think that's what it is. And what I love about Socrates is that he's not a dating coach per se, he's just a relationship coach or a relationship philosopher as I like to call him. But it's the level of seriousness that he applies intellectually to relationships and not only intellectually, but then in his own personal life. So on a very personal level, on a very experience-based level like Steve has with his company. So in just knowing Socrates as long as I have since 2007, and then especially in working with him as a speaker, he's really inspired in me a seriousness to take with relationships that I did not otherwise have in my life before him. He uh, just totally encouraged me, and on a personal basis in our conversations, but also through speaking when I hear him speak. It's how serious he takes relationships and how much care he puts into them, both in his own life and then in thinking about them and in writing about them and in blogging about them. I don't see that a lot in my daily life or anywhere for that matter, but intimate relationships between men and women really seriously and I love being around it and it makes my life better and it makes my relationship with my wife better. It makes my marriage better for that matter.
1: Wow, that's a glowing review right there. Now, I've yeah. never heard of him, but I he's on the list to be looked up after oh, yeah. this.
2: You should totally get him on the show, man. Yeah, he's awesome. Ask Steve, too. Steve will tell you the same thing. Socrates is fucking awesome. He got a standing ovation at the event this year. A couple of them, I think.
1: <laughs> a couple so, of them. Yeah, really yeah, cool. Yeah. Love it. Lastly, what about lessons on masculinity?
2: Hmm. I would say I would go to James Marshall, one of our dating coach speakers. But he's one of the dating coaches that I don't even see as a dating coach. I think of him as a dating philosopher, which is a really unique term. I don't ever see that anywhere.
1: Never heard of that.
2: Uh, yeah, I made it up a few months ago because I was like, this guy is not just a dating coach. Because if you look at his speeches, they're not really advice-driven most of the time. He's spoken at our convention a lot over the years, uh, I think four or five times now or something like that. But his speeches are philosophical in nature, and I don't even know if he realizes it, but they're very philosophical and they're very fundamental. And yeah, yeah. I think he's a really good example of someone who's becoming a better man over time, and he's thinking about it in in terms of masculinity, which I like a lot. And so some of the things in his life would be, I think, the business he's built. I think when he first started his business as a dating coaching company in Australia, it was a lot different than it is now, and it was a lot less successful. But he persevered even through really difficult times in his company and his personal life, and he's come out on top. He has stayed true to his path, and he's stayed true to himself over time and he has a massive level of integrity. And you hear this when you talk to him and you hear it in his videos, but talking to him in person, I've interviewed him and spoken with him quite a lot. And it's really comes across that this guy is not only a great human being, but a great man. And he knows it and he walks that path and nothing takes him off of it. It's so like I was saying earlier with staying true to your path and staying on it. He's a, I think a really good example that people can see, they can actually observe it in him without much difficulty. They can see a person on his path in his life and he's doing a really good job of it in building his company and building his ideas and in pursuing his own happiness in his life. Yeah. And yeah, if you want to watch his videos, you know, his are all over the internet from us. People his videos are get along with a few other speakers like Doug McGuff, James gets like the most views for us pretty consistently.
1: Wow. Yeah, that was gonna be my next question. Who's been the most viewed or requested speaker since you've been doing the twenty one convention?
2: The most viewed is Nick Sparks by long shot. He has a video, his 2012 speech, it was only been online for like a year and a half. It's a few days away from breaking a million views, which will be our first video to break a million. It's got 994,000.
1: That's like TED yeah, Talk yeah. Uh, numbers right there.
2: Yeah, it's crazy, man. Doug McGuff is another popular speaker. He has like 520,000 or something on a video. But Nick Sparks is uh, really taken off. His video is very young in terms of YouTube. It's like a year and a half or so. And it's crazy, man. It's a million views. It's going to hit not only a million just in a few days, like by this weekend. I think it'll someday hit two million and maybe even beyond. I mean, the viewership rate is just crazy. It does easy 2,000 views a day. So it's just, you know, it's getting viewed like crazy and people keep sharing it even so long after it's coming out or after it's come out already. So that one's really high up there. Chris Marshall's another one I mentioned a second ago. He gets a lot of views, not like Nick Sparks, not crazy stuff like that. But he gets viewed a lot, and the subscriber base in particular really goes like apeshit over stuff. His videos get nothing but like uplikes. There's like zero downlikes for them all the time. It'll be like 80 uplikes, upvotes, and zero down, which is rare. You usually get at least a handful, like you know two or three or four, something like that. Some people just don't like it. Sure. But with James, it's unanimous. People like love his ideas and they love his videos. Any video that we put out, even an older one, we'll take like an old video, we'll remaster it in a higher quality, and we'll put it out. And people were like, holy shit, new James Marshall video, amazing. And they just go crazy over it, even though they've already seen it. They're just like, yes, more Marshall. And his ideas are that good. It's not unwarranted. The like that he gets from our fan base and the devotion, I think, is earned. And it's good. He's one of our best speakers, for sure. Wow! And it's good to see that rewarded yeah, by the fan base. It's really cool.
1: Yeah, you know, something I was thinking about while you were talking about views and the messages that these guys are getting across that are reaching hundreds of thousands and even up to a million in Nick Sparks case and probably millions with all your videos, your thousand videos, is the people who are following you and the people who listen to this podcast, you right now who are listening to this podcast, you are so far above, so far ahead in your life than so many other people I was just thinking, what gets the most views? It's like a cat riding a Roomba, right? It's like 20 million views, right? When people should be watching your videos in 21 Convention or listening to this podcast or or doing something that's pushing their life further and helping them get what they want out of life. And man, that just came to my mind while I was thinking about it, you know, while you were
2: talking about it. I think about that a lot, yeah. On YouTube, even our 1000000 view video is like you know, nothing. It's peanuts compared to the cat videos that get 50 million views or something. But that's okay. You're right, too. The people listening to your podcast and pursuing and my channel and, and pursuing the best that they can in their life, they're way ahead of the curve. I mean, they're light years beyond it, and I think it's going to serve them really well over their life. The more they pursue this and the more serious they take it and the more diligent they are in following through, yeah, it'll make the most of their life, their one precious life.
1: Yeah. That's true. One life to make something happen. So waste no time, which is your most valuable resource.
2: So Anthony- Non-renewable too. Never comes back, man. A minute spent is a minute gone.
1: So true, my man. So true. Well, Anthony, what's one piece of advice with everything that you've learned, all the amazing people that you've met along your journey, what's one piece of advice if you had to give a guy listening right now, to start taking charge of his life, to start living it the way he wants, to go after his dreams, what would it be?
2: I would say take your life seriously and don't compromise. Meaning that doesn't mean be a dick and don't always disagree with people. It means don't compromise what you really want in your life, which is very hard. It's very hard to pursue what you really want. People say it's easy to do what you want, but I disagree. It's hard to do what you really want to do. There's a lot of distractions and there's a lot of people who are going to fight you to do it along the way. So... Maintain your integrity and don't compromise. It's very, very important to pursue that vision and don't ever give up on it. And don't let anyone tell you, you know, to the contrary. People are going to tell you. People have their own visions for their life. And a lot of them are not going to be in alignment with that. They're going to tell you to compromise. They're going to tell you to give up. They're going to tell you to try something else, try something different, which in some cases, you know, of course, will be, will be the case of what you need to do, but probably not fundamentally. If you pick something fundamental that you want to do, you need to follow through with that all the way to the end. And don't compromise. Don't give in and pursue that highest vision of whatever it is you want to do, including your whole life of what you want to make of it. Pursue that to its end and don't give up.
1: Powerful words, Anthony. I love it, man. Anthony, they can connect with you at youtube.com slash 21, Mm the21convention.com. If you'd like to check out Anthony's personal blog, you can go to thedreamlounge.net and get on there, guys. Watch some of those videos. They're free. And Mm -hmm. that'll give you a good idea of what to expect at the conference. But if you're in the right place in your life, you need to be at this conference, right? Meaning if you're not broke, I will be there. Anthony's going to be there. Steve Maeda, who's been on the podcast, is going to be there. And like I said, Anthony, we'll get you back on when it's a bit closer and you can give us more details about it to get everyone pumped up about this amazing event that you throw every year almost.
2: Yeah, absolutely, man. I look forward to it.
1: Awesome. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for sharing your time, your wisdom, and your knowledge with us here on The Man Project. It was just a pleasure having you on and I learned a ton of stuff as I know everybody else listening to this and we've all got some homework to go check out some of these amazing people
0: you mentioned.
2: Yeah. Thanks, man. I was happy to come on and thanks for having me on. Appreciate the time.
0: You've reached the end of another episode of The Man Project. Connect with us at manprojectpodcast.com. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to receive our free tools. See you next episode.